You're listening to Bloomberg Law. I'm June Grosso with Greg Store. In this day of electronic surveillance, we all know about the government wiretapping phones, but you may not know that just because the government has a lawful warrant to wiretap your phone, that doesn't mean FBI agents can tape every conversation. Take the case of Craig Dramal, a former Galleon Group trader convicted of insider trading. Dramal's wife Arlene claimed that FBI agents wrongfully eavesdropped on more than 180 of her intimate conversations with her husband while they were lawfully tapping their phone to get information on insider trading. New York federal judge Richard Sullivan refused to throw out those conversations, but Sullivan called the FBI's actions nothing short of disgraceful and said he was deeply troubled by this unnecessarily and apparently voyeuristic intrusion into the Dramal's private life. In other words, the FBI should have hung up the phone. Arlene Dramal sued the FBI, and in a departure, the FBI has settled the suit. Our guest is former federal prosecutor and and uh, criminal trial attorney George Newhouse, a partner at Denton's. George, how unusual is it for the FBI to settle a case? Good morning, June. Uh, it's rarely the case that the FBI or, frankly, the, the federal government settles these cases, particularly involving law enforcement. So that's that is something to take note of. But of course, we don't know the amount of the, the money that was paid or whatever the terms of the settlement are is confidential. So it may have been settled for a low amount. Well, well George, uh, what is it about this case, uh, if we don't know the terms of the settlement, what is it about the case that might have prompted the FBI to settle here, uh, you know, whereas normally they don't? Well, there are two now, two at least two federal judges, Judge Sullivan in the Southern District of New York, who uh, who handled the criminal prosecution of Craig Drimal, the uh, the galleon trader whose uh, phone was being tapped, um, and a, a judge in Connecticut who ha- ha- is holding the uh, the the case, the civil case against the FBI agent. So two judges now have sharply criticized the FBI's um, conduct in monitoring these phone conversations pursuant to Title III. So I think when, when federal judges are critical and suggest that uh, there was wrongful conduct, uh, then the government quickly uh, tries to put those cases to bed. George, explain what Title III is and what restrictions it imposes on the government. Uh, Title III is actually part of the Omnibus Crime Control and Safe Street Acts of 1968, but it's commonly referred to Title III or sometimes simply as T3. Um, that's a federal law that allowed, passed in 1968 that allows federal agents, the FBI, uh, to place wiretaps on phone conversations between U.S. citizens occurring inside the United States. Conduct, which, of course, if a private citizen does, is a, is a felony. And if, before that, the government had no authorization to conduct those, that kind of monitoring. It was initially passed um, in order to combat uh, organized crime and narcotics trafficking. Um, and the law uh, does, in some circumstances, allow the government to uh, put this wiretap on. And that, of course, is monitored by federal agents who listen in on these phone conversations. And George, what what are agents supposed to do? So they, they they tap somebody's phone. Some of those conversations are going to going to be relevant to the investigation. Uh, is the rule just that they're supposed to hang up as soon as they realize that it's not relevant, or or or, or is it different because of a spouse? How, how does it work? 
No, exactly right. That's, that's a great question. The law imposes a number of stringent requirements, um, restrictions on what the government can do when they're conducting the, the TAP. So they always have to have, this is one reason why these uh, TAPs are fairly rare, because they are exceedingly uh, labor-intensive for the federal agency. So literally scores of agents have to be around the clock listening in on phone calls, because you never know when the call is going to come in. And they're required to monitor every call. Uh, then here's the, the wrinkle. They're, they're required to do something called minimization. And they receive, and did in this case, receive detailed instructions from the uh, supervising assistant U.S. attorney in New York that basically said to the agents, you can listen to every call, but once you determine that it's not pertinent or relevant to what we're investigating in this case, insider trading, then you must immediately switch off the machine. You, you have to stop listening. You have to stop recording. And you can um, every now and then you can go back because they can still see that the call is going on. They can go in and listen for a minute to determine uh, to make sure that they're not talking about matters um, that they're authorized to listen to. So it, it is restricted by subject matter. And then finally, they're told if you are listening to a privileged conversation, if you're listening to a conversation between the subject and his lawyer or a subject uh, and his spouse, that's the marital privilege, then you have to be especially careful that we don't intrude into that, um, that protected sphere. And that was what occurred in this case. There were, as June indicated, 180 uh, calls between um, Craig and his wife, Arlene, and um, a number of those uh, the monitoring went on too long before the agents switched it off. And at least three or four, uh, Judge Sullivan found, were, were indefensible. Those calls apparently uh, got into some uh, very intimate details uh, that sometimes, as we all know, husbands and wives will have conversations that they don't want anyone else to hear. George, as a former federal prosecutor, do FBI agents often ignore those minimization requirements or expand what they're listening to, wait a little too long? Well, here's the problem. The answer is the FBI, I, I have now worked with them for many years as a prosecutor, and I've worked on the other side as a white-collar defense lawyer. This is the, the flagship of federal agencies. This is an agency with um, amazing people. They're, they're dedicated. They're intelligent. They're, they're well-screened. But they do make mistakes. And these minimization rules, as you can imagine, are very difficult to actually implement because, again, you can listen to every conversation, but how and at what point do you determine that it's not pertinent? So the instructions were given. Um, there were thousands of calls that were monitored, and uh, the, the judge ultimately allowed the, um, the, the monitored calls to come into evidence. But there were some instances where mistakes were made, and actually the, the court in Connecticut dismissed the case against 16, 13 of the 16 agents and only said, well, three agents may have made some mistakes. So the answer is, it's actually difficult to implement. Um, I think the agents were probably operating in good faith, trying to do the best they can, but some of them did a better job at minimizing than others, and that was really what the, the case turned on. George, can you talk just a bit more about, you mentioned uh, marital privilege. Uh, now how does that work in practice? I mean, if, if, if the wife call, calls them up and her first words are, the inside information arrived, uh, surely they can, they can keep listening to that, right? Great question. Absolutely correct. So marital privilege, like the attorney-client privilege, is subject to something called the crime-fraud exception. 
So if if um, uh, the subject of the conversation is, hey, dear, you know, the insider trading information that we're getting is really great, then the agents would be allowed to listen to that and to monitor that. Uh, but other than that, the d instructions were clear. If it's between the husband and the wife and they're talking about the school kids or they're talking about, as in this case, marital problems, that's clearly not relevant and they have to switch it off. George, just about a minute. Is the FBI, is the FBI under a lot of scrutiny late, lately and pressure because of this and the FBI agent leaking in the Billy Walters case? Well, again, the FBI is a large agency. They have thousands of agents. Uh, there are always going to be some uh, isolated incidents where an agent does something that is um, uh, called into question, and I think the agency responds appropriately to that. But I don't see any any trend here. The, the work that they do is, um, by all uh, measures, usually exemplary. Um, I, don't, I don't see a trend here. Um, the interesting thing about this case, by the way, is this was the first time in, in around 2009 when they went up on a wire that any federal agency had ever uh, used a wiretap in a securities fraud investigation. So that did attract some attention. Thank you so much for being on Bloomberg Law. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. That's former federal prosecutor George Newhouse. He is a partner at Denton's.